Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Friday, the 13th of October, 2023. Earlier today, we did a show with my friend Peter Slen, who's an executive producer at C-SPAN. He has a, a wonderful new series on C-SPAN, 10 books that shaped America, all legendary books. Today, we dealt with a, a particularly legendary book from a particularly legendary figure, uh, Frederick Douglass, his book about what it was like, his autobiography, what it was like to be an American slave. Um, when it comes to legendary books, interestingly enough, there are no books on Abraham Lincoln. Perhaps the most legendary American figure had the series been about the 10 Americans that shaped America. Uh, Lincoln would certainly be there, an iconic figure. And we're talking Lincoln today. We've done shows on him before. One, for example, with his distinguished biographer, David Reynolds, on Lincoln and the tragic failure of Reconstruction. Today, we're thinking about Lincoln, however, as a legendary figure. And my guest has a new book out, How to Be Abe Lincoln, Seven Steps to Leading a Legendary Life. His name is Jonathan Shapiro, and he's joining us from Southern California. Jonathan, why would we want to be like Abraham Lincoln? Well, thank you for having me. I think we would want to be like Abe Lincoln because he lived in the most divisive time in our history and managed to navigate and be a central figure in, in his times without losing his moral compass and uh, because he provides us a roadmap and, and a, a doable script for how we ourselves can not only make ourselves better, but make our country better. Wow, that's that's uh, quite dramatic. What what is it about the twenty twenties and twenty twenty three that makes the America today like the America of Abraham Lincoln's time? Well, I apologize for the drama of it. Lincoln was very self dramatizing too, and I've, I've spent the last twenty three years writing television dramas, so it's mm. probably inevitable. But uh, the the regional divisions that we have, the political divisions that we have. The stalemate in Washington, where big things aren't being done, uh, but but most of all, I, I think this um, tendency to villainize the other side, this inability to compromise, this sense that people who don't agree with us don't just disagree with us, but are also in some form uh, an evil to the country, is uh, highly reminiscent uh, to the times that Lincoln uh, lived in. And so the seven steps that I talk about is what we can do as individual citizens uh, to discipline ourselves and to dis discipline how we behave, but also how we can improve uh, ourselves and to do it with, with humor uh, as, as, as the storytellers of our own lives. These are, these are 2023 lessons that Abe Lincoln uh, not only uh, showed us, but lived throughout his life. I want to get to the book, Jonathan, but let's go back to what you you just suggested. It, I, I have to admit I'm not convinced. Are you suggesting that America today in 2023 is as divided as the America 
uh, which was about to plunge into civil war or America of the civil war? I am. And, and I, I'll start with two points. The first is in Washington right now, we, we are facing down a government shutdown, which will be the 22nd one in our history. The first one was in 1976. During Abe Lincoln's entire administration, while half the country was seeking to destroy the federal government through armed conflict and the worst slaughter in American history, Lincoln managed to keep the government open throughout the Civil War. We had no government shutdowns. There was still a sense that even though people in his own corner, and he often had to fight his own corner, disagreed with his conduct of the war, disagreed with his conduct of the administration, the government continued. The fact we live in a time that we're so divided that a sizable portion of our country, North and South, is more afraid of the government than they are of no government, reflects a division that is unlike any we have ever had. And in terms of the, the sense of outrage, the sense of frustration that, that, that I see in, in my work in television, but also in my former work in politics as a, as a practicing lawyer, um, I'm 60 years old. It's never been this bad. And, and as, a, as a student of history, I, I, I defy anyone to, to point to a place where we are suffering the effects of this division worse. Yeah, I have to admit I'm not convinced, but you probably know more about this than I do. Let's go back to Lincoln. Um, remind us of who he was and, and, and why he's considered perhaps the greatest of all American presidents. I think because he was the author and also the representative of what we consider to be the uh, American dream and the American character. He was a man born in abject poverty in Kentucky, grew up in Indiana uh, with no advantages, uh, no privilege in that sense, other than and possibly his race. But a man who, through uh, an obsessive lifelong desire to improve himself and to become self-reliant, by mastering the sacred skills that, that he felt were important. Uh, he became the greatest trial lawyer of his generation. He became the greatest, in many ways, storyteller, humorist of his generation. Those two things were related to one another. And then he became the greatest president in our history. And so he was also, a, and, and uh, you mentioned the book, How to Be Abe Lincoln. There are 60,000 books written about Lincoln. Uh, it takes a bit of chutzpah to write a new one. My goal was to write an accessible, practical one that uh, could be of use to anyone who is interested in emulating a great man. Uh, I think we've lost sight of the value of heroes uh, as role models. Uh, Lincoln was a man who read the self-help books produced by Ben Franklin, which I saw on your list of, of most important books. He also read uh, a book on character uh, which was a self-help book written by a woman named Chandler that was so influential on him that he actually got another copy of it, annotated it, noted it, and gave it to Mary Todd. So there's something just very contemporary American about Lincoln. He's a man who wrestled with big moral issues, felt uh, keenly uh, what it was like to deal with situations where there was no good answer, um, and uh, learned how to navigate those things through trial, through error, and by always maintaining um, a sense of who he was and, and where he wanted to go. 
I mentioned earlier, John, that uh, we, we did a show with Peter Slen this morning on Frederick Douglass on his autobiography of life as an American slave. Um, did Lincoln, I mean, Lincoln knew Douglass, didn't he? Yes, it, yes. And, and, uh, and are they quite similar? You talk about the American dream and self-reliance. Um, Peter Slen described Douglas as a man who could see around corners. Did Lincoln have that quality too? I think both men would have considered themselves Stoics. Lincoln was a lifelong student of Marcus Aurelius and looked around corners in the sense that, that he was uh, very aware of mortality, obsessively so, and of the human condition's limited time on earth. And the sense that, as he said, his goal uh, was to be of uh, use and of value and to have been admired by his fellow citizens for the benefit that his life gave to them. And I think the same was true of Frederick Douglass. Where was Lincoln on race? I mean, obviously, this was the most divisive issue of the Civil War, perhaps the cause of the Civil War. There's a great debate amongst historians on that. Yes. It remains profoundly divisive even up until today. Was Lincoln able to, if you like, navigate the Civil War successfully because he, he, he muddled himself on race and on slavery? Uh, well, you, you, your question sort of provides the answer, right? The, the, the idea that Abe Lincoln is the ultimate, in my view and others' view, the, the ultimate American hero um, he represented the conflicts that Americans inevitably have about race, a conflict that is yet to be solved. And so there is, and I say in my book, you know, the, the purpose of this book is not to render a judgment as to many controversies about Lincoln in terms of who he was and what he stood for. I accept the best and brightest views of our greatest historians, including Reynolds, who you made reference to earlier. Lincoln began his life, uh, I would say, with a uh, Christian view of uh, humanity and the need to be humane. He evolved his views on race, primarily, I think, and I talk about in the book, by navigating from Indiana to New Orleans uh, as a flatboat pilot and seeing slavery up close and personal and being, at least according to one contemporary, as a result, disgusted by it and ever against it. That being said, and I say this as a trial lawyer myself, Lincoln's ability to argue both sides of the point and to be practical and pragmatic uh, was on display throughout his life in reference to race and slavery. He really sought to figure out a way to keep the South within the country without uh, warfare while eliminating slavery by keeping it from entering new states that joined the Union. When that became impossible, this peaceable man who was risk adverse and conflict adverse engaged in the bloodiest war in history in order to stop slavery. He was criticized on all sides, Horace Grief, Greeley famously, for first not being strong enough on emancipation and then being too strong on emancipation. And um, like all great leaders, he accepted that criticism and did what he thought was morally correct. 
Did he think that blacks and whites were equal? No, he did not. Did he advocate for an equal society that was progressive? He did not. Uh, can we judge him harshly for that by our standards? Only if we ignore history and context. He is the man who, after all, fought and won the war, gave his life in essence for it, and made sure that slavery was outlawed forever in our country through constitutional amendments. We are speaking with Jonathan Shapiro, the author of an intriguing new book, How to Be Abe Lincoln, Seven Steps to Leading a Legendary Life. Uh, it's just out. Um, should we want to lead a legendary life, Jonathan? What, what, what is it? What, why, why, why do we want to lead legendary lives? Most, most of us just want to feed ourselves and be employed and look after ourselves. Do you think that most of us want to be legends like a old Abe? Well, in my introduction, I make, uh, I make uh, room for the fact that you may not want to and, and you don't have to. And if you don't want to, uh, you have 60,000 other books about Lincoln that you could read. Um, if you want to be Lincoln, it's because you want to be legendary in the way Lincoln was legendary. As I, I say in my book, if, if you mistake the word legendary as used in this title to mean fame, as we understand fame today, that is, if you want to be famous for fame's sake, this book can't help you. Nothing can help you. you you're, 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 in a, you're in a world of hurt because that, that is... In, in my view and I, in Lincoln's view, not a life worth pursuing. When Lincoln used the word legendary, he was very specific in referring to it as the classics understood legendary, which is, as he himself put it, to be legendary is to live a life worthy of fame in that those who come after you either do or don't, but have every reason to admire you for how you live. And, and if I could just quote what Lincoln himself said on this uh, point, when he was a young man and he had just arrived in, in, uh, in Illinois, he uh, wrote in a newspaper, and I quote Lincoln here, every man is to have his peculiar ambition, whether it be true or not, I can say for one that I have no other ambition so great as that of being truly esteemed of my fellow men by rendering myself worthy of their esteem. That is, whether you're famous or not, whether anyone notices or not, to be Lincoln and to be legendary is to leave a life, to lead a life worthy of esteem. And in the book, I, I talk about the principles that are worthy of esteem, principles that have been, I think, lost in our country. Uh, and, you know, I, I, this is my third book. When I was asked to write a book, I, I decided I wanted to write something that would light a candle rather than curse the darkness. Because I'm very good at cursing the darkness. And I'm a little tired of my friends all cursing the darkness. I actually want to be Lincoln-esque in, in an effort to write a book that if you read it and you actually follow the seven steps, uh, you're going to lead a more meaningful, happier life and your community will be better for it. As a lawyer, I, under the rules of professional conduct, can never promise a result in a case. Writing is, you know, there's no barrier to entry and there's no dress code and you can make all kinds of promises. But I, I truly believe that if you follow the seven steps in this book, as I've tried to do, uh, your life will be worthy of esteem, which is a dramatic claim. But 
It's a religious claim. We're going to talk more about the book after the break. I want to thank our sponsor, Liberties Quarterly, um, which is an excellent new publication out of Washington, D.C., who are bringing us this show. I'm going to run a short ad for Liberties, and then we'll be back with Jonathan Shapiro to talk more specifically about those seven steps that will allow us to lead the kind of legendary life of a man like Abraham Lincoln. So we'll be back in a second. Beyond the news, the noise, there is nuance, insight. Liberties is not just a journal of ideas. It's a meteor of intelligent substance. It's the place to be for engaged citizens. Politics, opinion, substance. Liberties is a triumph for freedom of thought. A quarterly of urgency, of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller. And you can subscribe to Liberties at libertiesjournal.com. We are speaking with Jonathan Shapiro, author of a new book, How to Be Abe Lincoln, Seven Steps to Leading a Legendary Life. Uh, John, you're a lawyer, you noted. You're also uh, a screenwriter. You've done a lot of screenwriting. Lincoln wasn't a specialist. Do you think one of the keys to becoming like Abe Lincoln is to do lots of different things as you've done uh, and perhaps to fail at many of those things? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, you know, the, our oldest son is named Abraham because this is a lifelong obsession. Uh, I was a history major and, and uh, I was drawn to Lincoln because he seemed in an odd way relatable. He was uh, a failure at so many things. He, he lost so many more elections than he won. He accidentally got engaged to women who uh, he then was so relieved when they broke up with him. He was goofy looking and he was uh, a guy who suffered from serious spells of depression. Uh, so how could I not relate and love to a guy like that? He was one of us in, in the Joseph Conrad sense. He, he, was, he was a man in full. And uh, I have to say, uh, I, I'm someone who always enjoyed trying to do different things and, and uh, was willing to be mediocre in many fields because uh, I guess I was just lucky to be raised by parents who gave me the sense that, uh, that Lincoln seemed to intuitively feel life is an adventure and we have, uh, we have an opportunity to do legendary things if we're just willing to risk it. Uh, one of my favorite stories about Abe Lincoln there, there, are, there are four presidents uh, on Mount Rushmore. Three of the four are surveyors, Jefferson, Washington, Lincoln. Lincoln's the only one who taught himself how to be a surveyor. He accepted a job as a surveyor in Springfield, Illinois, knowing nothing about how to be a surveyor. And in my, in my book, I, I give you a citation where you can go online and read Gregson on surveying, which was the textbook that Lincoln used to teach himself surveying. And I challenge you to do any of the algebraic problems in that book. They're hard. He taught himself how to be a surveyor in six weeks and was so good at it that you can still walk the lands he surveyed in Springfield and see how accurate he was. You know, nobody taught him how to build a flat boat, let alone steer it. And yet he did it twice, traveling over a thousand miles each way successfully. Um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what we've lost in our country that used to be one of the most important elements of the American character, self-reliance. 
I love Lincoln because he 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 was the living embodiment of what his contemporary Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote about in the essay Self-Reliance. The idea that a human being ought to learn the sacred skills necessary to be successful and ought to respect those skills in a way as divine. And you know, Lincoln's the only president we've ever had who has a US patent without any education. Of all the brilliant people we've had as president, Lincoln's the one who devised a new way to uh, get steamships off of, uh, after they've been grounded off shoals. And it's a complicated, sophisticated system, all of which Lincoln taught himself to understand. And so, yes, I am a fan. I, I dare say the, uh, the cult of the amateur has gone too far. And yet mm. there is something. I, 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 I hear that, that from my Wonderful life. book. Uh, a book I've read, by the way, and a book, oh. a, a book I agree You're with. You're one of the few. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a book, you know, it's interesting. It's, a, it's worthy of a different show with a better guest. But, you know, the difference between the English view of the amateur and the American view of the amateur and the 19th, 20th century definition versus the current one. I guess I, what I love about Lincoln was his uh, commitment to learning new things, even though he, he wasn't the recipient of formal training and uh, the success he had with it. You know, he's the only man who got elected president in the 19th century who had no campaign manager. He did it all himself. And yet, as I say in the book, one of the steps to being Lincoln is learning how to collaborate with other people. He was, a, he was a genius for collaboration and often with people who no one else could collaborate with because they were so difficult. You, you, you talk about learning, learning to be Lincoln. Um, are there some aspects, though, of, I mean, clearly Lincoln was a self-learner, as you say. He taught himself to be a surveyor. And we can all do that. But uh, did Lincoln have some qualities that we can't teach ourselves? Humor, for example, that 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 can't be self-taught, can it, John? Absolutely. I, I, I admittedly, I am someone who's married to a comedy writer who used to write on Friends. And uh, I, I find laughter to be the first step to being Lincoln. I also find it the first step to to living a happy and legendary life. Uh, can you learn to to develop a sense of humor? Well, of course you can. In the same way you can learn to develop your sense of sight, your sense of smell. Uh, our limbic system has evolved to have a sense of humor. Human beings uh, exist with a sense of humor. Uh, and Lincoln, who had a tremendously good sense of humor, worked at it. He read humor pieces. He read humor books. He had over at the White House the most popular humorist of his day, whose entire career was made out of making fun of Lincoln. And after he had him over at the White House, the guy wrote another humorous article about Lincoln the baboon. And Lincoln loved it. Why, why does it matter that you can laugh? Why is that so important? Because in order to laugh, you need to have empathy and you need to have an understanding of our limited time on Earth and the fact that not everything we plan goes to course. And so I talk specifically in the book about how you can develop a sense of humor. And I also talk about how Abe Lincoln 
used humor both in law and in politics and in his personal life to draw people to him. People who came initially to scoff, but who stayed to commit themselves to making his life a success. But also I talk about mistakes Lincoln made with his humor and how sometimes his humor was inappropriate, off balance, hurtful, and what Lincoln did when he realized he had made those mistakes. You're talking to me, um, John, from Sherman Oaks, Southern California, Reagan country. Yes. In, in some ways, I mean, yep. Reagan is a divisive figure in many ways, but Reagan shared one thing about that Lincoln had, which was humor, wasn't it? Absolutely. I, I talk about that in the book. We've had Lincoln was the first president to use humor as a means of communication, as a kind of a pedagogical device. He never told a joke without having a purpose. He never told a story without trying to illustrate a point. Reagan was a was sort of a genius at that himself. And um, you know, in the book, I talk about other presidents and and uh, maybe controversial, but I, but I compare. Trump to Lincoln, because Trump did and found himself to be, uh, you know, his equal, if not better. But, you know, in many, many ways, Trump and Lincoln used humor in order to build community. Trump and Lincoln used humor to diminish their opponents. Trump and Lincoln used humor to simplify complex issues. The difference, of course, is Abe Lincoln, who could be quite cutting and sarcastic and mean, in his early 30s, went too far and hurt another person, a political opponent, in such a way that Lincoln was ashamed of himself and so deeply chagrined that he never did that kind of thing again. Trump never got to that point. Yes, Trump, the one emotion Trump seems incapable of is is, is shame. I don't want to turn this into a, another Trump conversation. No, no, no. I, I, just, I just mentioned it. No, I, I take your point, although I'm not sure how funny Trump ever is. He certainly was never able to make fun of himself. Well, meanwhile, he has a contemporary, President Zelensky, who, whose humor was very Lincoln-esque in that it was self-deprecating and built community through shared experience. Yeah. President Zelensky is a role model of how to be Lincoln when it comes to the use of, of laughter. Well, Zelensky <laughs> is in many ways, Ukraine's not just Lincoln, but Jefferson, Madison, and Hamilton too. So Absolutely. that's probably another book, uh, John. So we know you. it's hard to teach yourself to be really funny. You can maybe teach yourself to appreciate humor. Yes. Let's end with a, you've got seven steps. That's too many, I think, at least for this show. What are the two essential steps that Abe Lincoln can teach us about leading what you call a legendary life, which is a moral life in your, in your language? The first one is to learn to object to moral wrong, uh, even when it's hard to do it, and even when it costs you uh, personally. Uh, Abe Lincoln's ability to get to a point on the issue of race where he objected even so far as to spill blood in order to restore and, and maintain the union, reminds us that when we fail to object in the face of moral wrong, we suffer ourselves a moral injury. And you cannot be a legendary person if you don't have the willingness to stand up for what you know based on fact is right.
I, I think, ironically, the second most important step to be Lincoln is love, to learn how to love even those who you disagree with. Uh, Abe Lincoln was said by his bodyguard to have been the only man he ever knew who was motivated uh, by love alone. Uh, he was imperfect. He did not uh, always do the right thing. But his love for his fellow Americans and his love for his fellow human beings, uh, I think, is something that, like a sense of humor, uh, can be developed because I think it's a choice. I think we choose whether to show love to other people. And Lincoln chose love even as he, even as he waged war. Uh, so the, those to me are the two most relevant steps. If you were only going to take two steps, um, those would be the two. Well, those are uh, a little hors d'oeuvre for the book itself. And finally, finally, Jonathan, for better or worse, this has been a week of talk and thought about what's happening in the Middle East. Can the people of Israel and Gaza, can they learn anything from Abraham Lincoln? Well, you did a wonderful show about his belief in how reconstruction and reconciliation had to take place. You know, Abe Lincoln, this man of love and peace that I've just been talking about, when faced with a moral wrong, engaged in the bloodiest war imaginable. He is the one who sent Sherman from Atlanta to the sea. Abe Lincoln, whether we want to admit it or not, was the man who began the process of total warfare. But he did it because he was a man who lived by fact, not opinion and not emotion. And because in the face of a moral wrong, the facts required that he do it. So I, I think Lincoln is not only a role model for us, but I hope the spirit of Lincoln, that our better angels on both sides of the conflict, realize that there has to be a reconciliation at some point after the moral wrong has been destroyed. That's our only hope. What happens in the Israel-Gaza-Palestine situation where no one even agrees what the moral wrong is? Well, that's why Lincoln, in the beginning of the book, I said, is our most important role model because to an unusual degree, even for a surveyor or a lawyer, Abe Lincoln lived by fact. And so I would just counsel anyone who's looking at this issue, uh, and I hope the people on the ground in that area are looking at the facts of the situation. I'm old enough to remember when General Orior, who had fought in every conflict in Israel's history and had lost family members in the conflict, talked about the need for some kind of a ultimate political uh, reconciliation and after this war is over, and after the, the fact-based actions of Israel are completed, we're going to have to get there. And if now is not the time to talk about it, because we're in the midst of the conflict now, at some point, someone's going to have to talk about it. And I hope they do so with Lincoln principles in mind.